Good morning. It's good to see you today. If you will, turn with me to the book of Galatians in chapter 5. Galatians in chapter 5. And stand with me again as we read God's Word. As we begin to get started in the honor of reading God's Word, let's stand. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 is where we're beginning. It says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25 is really our focus this morning. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you and we thank you that you have sent your Spirit into our lives. And your Spirit is speaking and he is enabling us to follow your will day in and day out. And I pray this morning that we would hear what your Spirit would say to us very clearly. Help us to keep in step with your Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name for his glory we pray that. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> July 2nd, 1982, a man named Larry Walters filled 45 weather balloons with helium and tethered them in four tiers to a lawn chair. He armed himself with a large bottle of soda, a pellet gun, a CB radio, an altimeter, and a camera, and he strapped a parachute on and climbed into his chair, and off he went. He quickly asc uh, ascended into the skies above San Pedro, California. He had planned to fly some 300 miles into the Mojave Desert, but instead he was shot up into the air to 16,000 feet above the Long Beach uh, municipal airport where two airliners saw him and they radioed down to the air traffic controller about the situation. Feeling dizzy and cold, Walters began to shoot down some of those balloons and he attempted to aim himself at a grassy area on a nearby golf course and missing his target ended up suspended from high voltage power lines. When the firemen got there and got him down, they asked him why he did it and he replied, a man can't just sit around. Well, that's us today. We can't just sit here. We need to make sure that we are getting a big view of things. I want to invite you to get a skies view this morning of something called the discipleship pathway. We have been walking through this the last several weeks. Our pastor has referred to it several times as he's talked about what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, today I want to give you the overall picture of this. And then as we talk about this, I want that to launch us and propel us into God's Word and back into Galatians chapter 5. But I want you to do something this morning. Take your worship guide, and there's an insert there. One side has sermon notes. The other side has the discipleship pathway graphic. That's what you want to start with, is that graphic. Let me say this. As we're getting started with this discipleship 
uh, pathway this morning, I want to make this extremely clear. The discipleship pathway is not something we are adding to what we're already doing. It is simply a tool, a visual tool to help us make sense of what we are already doing here at Enon. And I think you'll see that as we walk through this. The discipleship pathway is really all about next steps. Whether you are new to Enon or you've been here for a long time, the discipleship pathway is meant to simply be a guide for you to help discern your next step in following Jesus Christ. And so let's look to begin with at the very top of that triangle. The first piece there is called working in the harvest. And what we mean by that is that as a church, corporately, we are always working in the harvest fields trying to bring lost men and women and boys and girls to faith in Jesus Christ. Everything we do in our community, whether it's helping a school or joining with our youth sports programs around or doing community-wide events like our Winter Wonderland or Fall Festival or our Easter egg hunt that's coming up very soon, those are building gospel bridges into our communities. And so working in the harvest is simply our efforts to share the gospel in our community. One of our prayer points this year has been that the Lord would send us both the lost and laborers here to Enon. And praise God, he's doing that right now. God is sending new people all of the time to our fellowship. Our long-range planning committee has uh, been meeting over the last several months, making some plans and prayerfully uh, walking through future plans here at Enon for buildings and different things, trying to discern God's voice. One of the things that they did was they did some research in our area. And just in Morris and Kimberly and Warrior, just in those three communities, in the next three years, there are over 800 homes that are on the docket to be built in the next three years. Listen, God is bringing the harvest to us. And I believe with all my heart, the reason he's doing that is because he wants them to know him. And the reason he has us here is because he wants them to know him. We have to be working in the harvest. And so that's the, that's the top tier of what we're talking about with our discipleship pathway. The next step is called the gathering. The gathering, what we mean by that is simply what we're doing right now. This is our corporate worship service. It is our largest group meeting that we have weekly. And this is where God's word is taught weekly and where we join together as a church to worship. The Bible in Hebrews chapter 10 tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. This is a direct command from scripture that the church would come corporately to worship together, pray together, and study God's word together. I need this and you need this. And I want to say this before we move on. You will never grow into the person God wants you to be without spending time with a church in worship, prayer, and the study of God's word. It will never happen. You don't, you don't have to come to corporate worship to be a Christian. All you have to do is place faith in Jesus to be a Christian. But the truth is you will never grow as a Christian unless you're making, you make a commitment to be in corporate worship with other believers every single week. That's the starting point really for, for what we're doing here at Enon. This is really the time when we have our largest crowd. And so this is the time when most visitors come. And let me just say this, if you're visiting with us, if you're uh, looking around and seeing, you know, this where God wants you or wants me, listen, we are glad that you're here. Amen. We are glad that you're here. Church members, aren't we glad that God's sending us visitors? Listen, we have prayed for you. You are an answer to prayer. If you're a visitor, if you're a guest and looking to see if God would have you uh, live here among us and, and, and be a part of what he's doing, you are an answer to prayer. We have been praying that God would do just that. 
And so if you're a member, or if you're, if you're uh, a guest, welcome. We want you to be part of what God's doing. But listen, let me challenge you to take the next step. Here's the next step. It's called life groups here at Enon. Life groups, when I was growing up, it was something called Sunday school. It's the same thing here. Life groups is, is really where life-on-life life discipleship happens at Enon Baptist Church. They take place every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. all over our campus. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. One of the ways we grow as Christians is to spend time around other Christians. And what you will find in life groups is a type of connection that you will never get in the corporate worship service. You need close connection with other believers. And what you will also find is that when you get connected to a life group, the people in those life groups are not perfect. You'll find that out really quickly. And that's a good thing because you're not either. And you need other people who have been touched by the grace of God who are walking through the same journey that you're walking through. And that's what happens in life groups. Connections are made. God's word is taught. And people get to know you in life groups. And you get to know other people. And you get to walk through life together in life groups. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says this. It says, Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Listen, we need each other. And if you're not connected to a life group, take that next step and find a life group to get connected to. Maybe, though, you already are connected to a life group. We'll say, well, what is my next step? Well, your next step is something called an equip class. And the reason I, I, I want to kind of paint, this, paint it this way is this. If you've been following Christ for a while and you've grown in your relationship with him as a good steward of what God has taught you and what others have poured into you, God's plan is now to use you to pour into other people. And that's really what equip classes are all about. Equip classes are different than life groups. Equip classes are more topical in nature and they, they're not ongoing all of the time. They last for a semester. Really, typically here, we have two or three that we're offering each semester. Right now, the ones that we're offering in our spring semester, we have a women's class. We have a men's class, which is really man church. They meet in small groups. And then we have uh, a class that's walking through the one-year Bible together. Those are the offerings we have right now. And one of the things that I'm really excited about, uh, being able to kind of roll out this next fall, we're going to begin some core equip classes that we want to encourage you to jump in the rotation of. What these are, there are eight classes that over the next four years, we're going to offer these eight classes. Each of those classes will be offered at least twice in this four-year span, and they cover some really basic things that you as a discipler of others need to know. Some things like evangelism, some things like Christian foundations, just the basics of Christian theology, uh, we're going to look at one of the courses that we're going to look at is biblical manhood and womanhood. Another one is marriage. Another one is parenting. Another one is finances. We're going to look at how to study and read God's word. And then the last one, the eighth one is prayer in the spiritual disciplines. Really just some basics of the Christian faith that we want to equip you with so that then you can turn and pour your life into other people. This summer you'll see some print materials coming out about that rotation of classes. Well, the next and final step in our discipleship pathway is something called disciple groups. Disciple groups are gender-specific groups of two to five people who commit to, 
to meet together weekly to study together, pray together, and grow together in God's Word for a time period of about one year. These groups are just a, a short-lived thing, and really the, the design is, is that a mature believer would take some newer believers and pour into them over, the, over that year's span. And the, the curriculum that we're using, if you want to call it that, is just our one-year Bible. You just begin to walk through the one-year Bible in that discipleship group. And the goal is, is that at the end of that year, everyone in that discipleship group doesn't stay together for the next year. They then break up and start their own discipleship groups. That's the goal in disciple groups. It's really a multiplication process. And so that's what the discipleship pathway looks like here. It's not something new as far as adding more stuff to what we're doing. We're already doing all of these things. The only thing we're doing is trying to make sense and give you a visual of what the plan is here at Enon Baptist Church. You say, well, why do we want to do all that? Why don't we want to come up with all this? Well, the, there's two goals of the discipleship pathway. They're there on your sheet. First one is this. We want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We want to replicate a disciple who can, who can then disciple someone else, who teaches them to disciple someone else, and it begins to multiply, and we're all in this moving forward together. We want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And then the second goal is this. We want to cultivate the ability to hear and obey the Spirit of God. Now look at that graphic. Working in the harvest, the gathering, life groups, equip classes, discipleship groups. Each one of those is a way for us to hear the Spirit speaking in our lives. As we begin to come to corporate worship, the Holy Spirit speaks in our times together. Amen? He's doing that right now. He's, he's been doing that for the last several weeks, speaking into our corporate worship times. As you get connected in a life group, you're going to hear the Spirit because the Word's going to be taught, and then others are going to offer their inspirations from the Spirit. They're going to say, hey, this is what God's teaching me, and others are going to have questions that kind of spur conversations, and the Holy Spirit begins to speak in those moments. You're going to learn that in equip classes and disciple groups. These are all ways for us to cultivate the ability to hear and follow the Spirit of God. That's the goal in all of this. That's the goal in our discipleship pathway. And now that launches us into Galatians chapter 5. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, which really is located in the area of modern-day Turkey, right in the center of what we know as modern-day Turkey. Paul had preached to several of the cities around Galatia, and he had seen many people come to faith in Christ. But after his departure, there were some Jews who came in, some Jewish leaders, who began to teach them that, yes, it's okay to believe in Jesus, but you also need to obey the Jewish law, and you need to be circumcised. And this was distorting the gospel. The truth of the gospel is we have received salvation and forgiveness of sins from God as a free gift. It is not something we achieve. It's not something that if we are religious enough, God will give us. It is a free gift from the heart of God straight to us. All we do is place faith in Jesus Christ. No amount of good deeds will ever make us right with God. The gospel is good news. Amen? The gospel is good news. The gospel teaches us that Jesus lived a life that we could never live, and he died the death that we deserve to die. He lived a sinless life, the life that was required by God. He died on the cross to take our punishment. And so for us, the gospel is not a list of rules to obey. It is news to be believed. That's a difference. 
It's not a list of rules to be obeyed. Instead, it is good news to be believed. That's what Paul was trying to protect against in the churches in Galatia. Listen, salvation comes as we place faith in the finished work of Jesus. And so that's why Paul says things like this in the first several chapters of Galatians. He says, the life that I live in the flesh, I now live by faith in the Son of God. He didn't say, the life I live in the flesh, I live by trying really hard. He said, the life I live by, uh, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Listen, the same faith that we come to salvation in Christ is the same faith we live by every single day. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk not by, by all the things that we can do for God. God doesn't need us to do things for Him. God wants relationship with us. And so he tells us, come to me. I put my spirit on the inside of you for this purpose, to walk with you. I want you to hear that this morning. The Holy Spirit of God, if you are a believer or follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God is saying to us, I want you to walk with me. I want you to hear me speak. I want you to know where I'm leading. He, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we do in that mix. There's a lot of times that he's going to want us to do certain things. But the thing that he wants more than anything is he wants you to hear him speak into your life. Because God is a God of relationship, and he invites us into that. Listen, God enables us to love him. He enables us to live for him. It's not something we can do all on our own. Without his spirit working in us daily, we would never be able to obey his commands consistently. We have been made alive by the spirit of Christ through faith in Jesus. We live by the Spirit. God's Spirit has brought us to life. Think about this. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ. God did it all. We didn't do it. And now that same Spirit that made us alive together with Christ lives inside of us because God has a plan for us and he wants us in such close connection with him that we know step by step what he wants us to do. That takes some cultivation in our lives to be able to hear the Spirit. And there are some things that we can do and I want you to see these in Galatians chapter 5. Three questions very quickly this morning about keeping in step with the Spirit. First question is this, what does it mean to keep in step with the Spirit? Well, first of all, it means that we agree with the Spirit's plan for our lives and we join Him on the journey. We simply agree with the Spirit's plans for our lives and we join Him on the journey. Listen, when God's Spirit reveals His love for us in the gospel, think back to that point. If you're a follower of Christ, think back to that point when you gave your life to Christ. When God revealed His love for you in the gospel, the immediate response should have been, whatever you say, I'll do. God, you've saved me, you forgave me, you gave yourself for me, you paid the price, now you command my life. That's what the experience of salvation should look like for us. It's not just a get out of hell free ticket. It's that we come to him and we submit our lives to him because he knows best. We see in, a, in God and in Christ a goodness that we desire, a perfection in his plan that we submit to and we say, God, we need that. And so as Christians, that's our heart. That's our mentality. God, we need your fingerprints all over our life. We agree that your plan is the best thing for us. And so, God, we join you on the journey. That's what it means to keep in step in, with the Spirit. Second thing that it means is we hear the Spirit as he speaks and we follow him. 
In order to keep in step with the Spirit, we must know what He is speaking to us. Does that make sense? In order to walk with the Spirit step by step, we have to be able to hear what He is saying to us. And listen, that's not automatic for every Christian. That is not automatic. It takes time in His Word. It takes time in prayer. It takes ears that are tuned to listening to Him. We'll talk about some ways that we can hear the Spirit in just a moment, but to keep in step with the Spirit means that we hear Him as He speaks and we follow Him in faith. Here's the second question. What is the Spirit leading us toward? What goals does He have for us? Well, three goals very quickly. The first one is the Spirit is leading us away from legalism and toward grace. And here's what I mean by that. This is the whole context of the book of Galatians. Look again at chapter 5 and verse 1. It says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You and I have something in our hearts. It's the default, default mode of our hearts is to think that we earn favor by doing things. We earn God's righteousness, or we earn God's love, or we earn God's favor because we're good people. And that's simply not true. We earn his favor and his righteousness and his love because Jesus earned it for us. And we come to him in faith saying to him, I could never do this on my own. And so I come to you and accept your gift of grace in my life. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to lead us away from is that, that mindset of legalism that thinks we have to do things to earn God's favor. He wants to set us free from that. Listen, I don't know about you, but that's, that's, that's who I am. And listen, that's at the point of salvation that needs to happen. But to be honest, every single day as a Christian, my drift, if I'm going to drift away from God, is back toward legalism. It's back toward checking off the boxes. And I want to say this right here. As we're talking about the discipleship pathway, it's really e easy for my legalistic heart to look at that and say, Check, I'm off, or I, I, I check that off. I, I'm part of the corporate worship. Check, I got life groups. Check, I've got equipped classes. Now God's going to be pleased with me. Maybe check, I've got a discipleship group now. God's pleased with me. That's not the way it works. That's not the reason we do those things. The reason we do those things is because we are in a love relationship with God and we want to st stay in step with Him. And so the Spirit is leading us away from the mindset that says, I have to do this, 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 and this for God to love me. That's not the gospel. That's what Paul was combating here. People had come in and talked to, or taught the people in Galatia, in those churches, that they needed to now be circumcised. Even though they had given their lives to Christ, they needed to follow the Jewish law. And Paul's saying, no, listen, if you want the power of God in your life, don't follow that. That's, that's from Satan. Listen, if you want the power of God in your life, you live by faith. You live by grace. You don't live by works. That's the truth of what Paul is saying here. And so the Holy Spirit leads us away from legalism and toward grace. Paul said in chapter 3 and verse 3, Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Listen, the way we grow as Christians is not by doing more and more and more religious stuff. That's not the way we grow as Christians. Now, there are things that we can do to grow. We need to spend time in the Word. We need to pray. But listen, the way our hearts change is not by doing more stuff for God. The way our hearts change is to see God's love for us. 
That's the reason we're doing all of this. It's so that Jesus Christ and the grace poured out at the cross is brought before our eyes over and over and over. Listen, your problem and my problem is not a behavior problem. It is a heart problem. That's the difference. Listen, you can't just stop certain behaviors and start other behaviors and think that everything's worked out. Listen, you can stop certain behaviors and start other behaviors and your heart still be cold toward God. Listen, you have a sin problem, I have a sin problem, because we don't love God enough. Not because we're not self-disciplined enough. We don't love God enough. And the only way that we ever love God enough or more or grow in our love for God is to see his love for us. And to behold that over and over and over. And so Paul says, look, the Holy Spirit is leading us away from legalism and toward grace. Here's the second thing. I can find it in my notes. Here's the second thing. The Spirit is leading us away from sin and toward fruitfulness. That's why Paul lays, or that's why he lays out in chapter 5 and verse 19, he says, these are the acts of the sinful flesh. These are the acts of the flesh. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry. All of those things, they're obviously fleshly. And he lays out in the next chapter, he says, listen, if you want to live like that, if you're going to live toward the flesh, then you're going to reap destruction. But then he follows that up by saying, but if you live to the Spirit, you will reap everlasting life. Listen, everlasting life is not simply living forever. That's not what everlasting life is. It does mean that, but it means so much more than that. Everlasting life is about getting the life of God on the inside of you. That's what everlasting life is all about. It's about having close connection so that you hear the wisdom of God. It's about having relationships so that you feel the love of God. It's about having a relationship so that you walk in closeness and intimacy with God. And you receive his power day in and day out. That's what everlasting life is all about. And Paul says if you will live by the Spirit, if you'll sow to the Spirit, if you'll walk with the Spirit, you will reap everlasting life. You'll have the God kind of life inside your bones day in and day out. And so he challenges us. Listen, the Holy Spirit is leading you away from sin. He doesn't want those things. He's leading you away from that. But it's not just for the point of not sinning and not being a bad person. He's leading you away from that because he wants to produce fruit in your life. And so in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, he lays out the fruit of the Spirit. He said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He said that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. He's leading you away from sin and toward fruitfulness. Here's number three. The Spirit is leading us toward Christ-likeness. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Listen, that in a nutshell is God's plan for your life. He wants you to be more like Jesus every single day. And he is on a relentless course to make that happen. Listen, life is hard. Life is hard, right? You may have messed up. You may have made mistakes. But if you're a follower of, of Jesus Christ, the Father's plan for you is to make you like Jesus. And when the sovereign God predestines something, it is going to happen. So don't give up. Don't stop. It is hard to live in this life. We make mistakes. The pressures from the outside world are difficult to deal with. Don't give up. God has a plan. And so he put his spirit on the inside of you to accomplish that plan. Amen? That's the power of what we're looking at here. All right? Here's the third question. How do we keep in step with the spirit? How do we keep 
in step with the Spirit. Very quickly, here are five things that help us cultivate the ability to hear the Spirit in our lives. Number one, constant intake of the Word of God. The Spirit will never contradict the Word of God. You know who the author of Scripture is? It's the Holy Spirit. And he's never going to say something to you that didn't come out of his word. And so if you want to hear him, the easiest way is to read his word. You've got to get in his word. You've got to be in the corporate gathering where the word is taught. And you get taught in life groups and other venues. You've got to spend time daily in the word, listening to the spirit. Listen, how many of you in this room, just show of hands, how many of you like, I would really like to hear what God would say to me. Anybody? Well, here it is. Read it. That's, that's simple. Read it. God is speaking every single time we open this book. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Do you, you ever had that thought? That when I sit down and read this book, the author is sitting here telling me what it means. Isn't that good? And here's the cool part. You know, we, we're going through some, some readings in our uh, daily time right now that are kind of difficult. Anybody go, been going through Leviticus? Brian uh, Rice the other day shared a quote on our staff feed, and it's talking about the dry toast of the word. That's dry toast, okay? <laughs> Listen, I understand you don't necessarily hear the Spirit speak necessarily every single time you read God's word, but here's what the Spirit is doing in those moments. He's taking the word of God, whether you realize it or not, and he's implanting it in the core of who you are. He's doing that. And he's changing you little by little. And in the moment that he needs to bring it out, he's going to bring it out. And he's going to bring it to your mind. He's going to bring it to your lips. And it's going to bear fruit in your life. So, listen, eat the dry toast of the word sometimes. Sometimes it's, it, it, it's not like that at all. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just begins to show you thing after thing after thing. We've got to get in the word. Constant intake of the word. Number two, we've got to be obeying Scripture. Listen, if you read this and the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's simple. Obey it. If you're not willing to obey it, don't expect to hear Him say anything else to you. We've got to obey Scripture. We cannot expect the Spirit to speak to us if we're not willing to obey Him. Why would He, why would he do that? If you will set out to consistently get into God's Word and consistently obey what you clearly see in God's Word, the Spirit will speak to you. He is not trying to hide God's will from you. You realize that? I think sometimes we, we make it too hard. We think, man, I've got to do this and this and this, and I've got to spend an hour of prayer here, and I've got to, you know, I didn't hear much from the Holy Spirit, so I've got to do more, and man, God's just not speaking to me. We make it too hard. Listen, God is speaking. It's simple. If there's a command in this word, we obey it. And as we obey it, he begins to speak. He wants you to know God's will. He's not trying to hide it from you. He's not trying to keep it from you. He wants it to be in your mind all of the time. And so we just got to be willing to obey whatever he says. Third thing, worship. The Spirit uses worship to realign our hearts with God's. Now, I understand how it is. It is hard to focus in worship sometimes. Uh, we're in the stage of life where we have four children under 11 years old. I understand it is hard to focus in worship. Now I get to come over here and I get to meet with our staff every Sunday morning. And I get to pray at 8 a.m. My wife at that point in time is getting kids out of the bed and starting the, the argument that goes on before church happens every Sunday morning. Have you been there? That's hard to come in here and focus in worship in that moment. But here's what I've found. 
In those moments when it's hard to focus, it's hard to engage in worship, I found that worship really is a choice. It's a choice that whether we feel like it or not, we're going to praise God and give him the glory that's due his name. That's what worship is. And here's what happens. When I am intentionally engaging in worship, whether I feel like it or not, God realigns my heart with his in that moment. And so worship is a way that we cultivate the ability to hear the Spirit of God. Here's the fourth one. Fellowship with other believers. Listen, the more I'm around some of you, the more I'm challenged to draw close to God. The more I'm around some of you, the more I hear what God is saying to you. And he confirms the same thing in me. We need one another. As we spend time together, God begins to speak more and more. There is power when God's people get together and we pray and we study and we just go after God together. God's spirit begins to speak in those moments. Here's the fifth one. Prayer. Prayer. Now, I know it would be nice if we could all spend an hour, two hours, three hours of prayer a day and just really get close to God. I know the reality of that, that that's probably not the case in everybody's life. The truth is, it's hard sometimes to pull away from the busyness of life and have extended periods of time. Thank God that he allows us as a staff to do that here, but I understand that. Life is busy. I understand that. But here's something that has set me free a little bit in that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Pray without ceasing. Now, listen, we don't have to go up into the mountains of Alabama or into the mountains of Tennessee and be a monk and just pray all day long. Without, pray without ceasing means, man, I can't have a relationship with anybody else. I've got to go and get in my quiet space and I've got to pray. And listen, there's moments for that, but the truth is, God doesn't want that as much as he just wants a moment-by-moment conversation with him. That's what he really wants. He wants a moment-by-moment conversation, but here's the key to it. You have to start the conversation, and that's what prayer is. And we start that in in the mornings, and we continue that conversation throughout the day, bringing our concerns to God. We ask for his leadership in certain situations, prayer without ceasing. Listen, all of these things that we're talking about are about cultivating the ability to hear the Spirit. I love this verse out of Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. It says this, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He comes and rains righteousness on you. Listen, hearing the Spirit is not easy. It's just not. It should be easy because the Spirit of God lives inside of us, but there's, there's some barriers to that at times in our life. Sometimes it's sin that has crept into our life that we're not willing to give up. And maybe the Holy Spirit's saying to you today, he's putting his finger on a sin in your life that he says, that's it. That's the reason you're not hearing me, right there. What do we do? We repent of it, and we come to him, and we say, I'm sorry. I repent. I turn away from that. Maybe it is that there's just an unwillingness to obey, and the Holy Spirit's saying, look, I'm speaking to you if you'll just do what I'm telling you to do. Stupid. I'm, I'm trying to talk to you here. And you're not listening. You're not obeying me. Maybe it is, and I, I think this is maybe more where I am day in and day out. It's a distracted heart. You know, in my life, we have four kids that are a blessing from God. And I thank him every single day for them. But... It is hard to hear the Spirit when they're tapping you on the shoulder a hundred times a day, saying, Daddy, 
You know, how many times have you heard that? Mama, a hundred times a day, a thousand times a day. It's hard to cultivate the ability to hear the Spirit of God. Sometimes we have to break away from that. And listen, to be honest, some of the things that distract me are not my kids, but it's the trivial things that I choose to focus on day in and day out. You know one of the worst things in my life that's like someone just coming to you over and over, just tapping you on the arm, tapping you on the shoulder over and over and over, is this stupid thing right here. You know what I'm talking about? This right here, it's a great technology, but it will distract our hearts from hearing the Spirit of God. Here's what it does over and over. It says, hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. And it never allows us to get into any kind of deep train of thought. When God's saying, listen to me, just listen here. You're going to have to be quiet for a minute. You're going to have to set apart these distractions and listen to me. This, this little computer in our pockets tells us, hey, there's something cool here. Look at this video. Look at this meme. Look at this. And it's just, I'll be honest with you, if I go to Facebook and I let it consume my thoughts, it's a mindless scroll that benefits me nothing. Sometimes we just need to put it in another room and say, God, you're more important than whatever I'm seeing on that thing right now. And to be honest, sometimes we just need to put it away for a while. During our fast, me and my wife, we just got away from Facebook. I'm telling you, it's good to be away from that stuff. Listen, it is a constant distraction. You say, well, how do I know what it is that's distracting me? What do you think about all the time? What is the thing that consumes your thoughts? And that's where the Holy Spirit may be saying to you, that's what's distracting you. And it may be a good thing. It may be a a blessing from God, but you've made it, you've taken it and placed it in a priority level where it shouldn't be. Listen, if we want to hear the Spirit, we've got to break up the fallow ground. It's just like, it's just like starting a garden. You don't go out and, and just throw seeds on the ground. You have to break up the ground. You have to cultivate it in order to be able to have a garden produce any kind of fruit. The same thing is true with the Holy Spirit. We've got to cultivate the ability to hear the Spirit. Listen, I believe He's speaking. I believe He's been speaking for quite a while here. Over the last several weeks, He's moving in different ways. And I would not want to put words in his mouth at all. I don't know what he's speaking directly to your life. But here's some areas that I know he is really good at some of these things. The Holy Spirit is great at restoring relationships. And there may be some broken relationships in here that the Holy Spirit's saying to you, don't wait on the other person, you need to go and make it right. The Holy Spirit is great at giving freedom from anxiety or depression or addiction. The Holy Spirit is great at revealing sin in our lives. Listen, I just want to do this. At the end of our service right now, I want to have a moment corporately where we seek to hear the Holy Spirit of God. And so I want to ask you to stand. I ask our music guys to come and lead us. Ask our pastor to come and lead this moment. But listen, the Holy Spirit is speaking We have to cultivate that ability to hear Him. We have to tune in to Him and have ears to hear the Spirit. And that requires some moments of quiet sometimes and some moments when we're just seeking God's face and saying, what are you speaking to me? And So I just pray, ask you, would you just make that your prayer right now? Holy Spirit, would you just speak to me? 
Show me what it is that you want me to do in my life.